Good morning, Victoria. Welcome to another One Victoria podcast, where we will discuss a viable alternative to the current Victorian government in 2026. Today's subject is our health system. For far too long, our health system has strained under Labor and Liberal National Coalition incompetence. Victorians have suffered through long elective surgery waiting lists and painful trolley queues at hospital emergency departments, which in turn render our ambulance services inoperable at times of stress on the total system. COVID certainly hasn't helped, but the system has been broken well before the pandemic arrived. The current Premier was Minister for Health under John Brumby from the 3rd of August 2007. That's 16 years ago when he slashed health funding by diverting funds to other Labor priorities. Victorians have just been through the 2022 election and witnessed the disgraceful behaviour of the government and the opposition as they scrambled to release health policies at the last minute. One leader would pompously announce a new hospital and the other would stand before the cameras within hours and announce with a straight face he would match the offer or spend millions more doing the same thing. The Premier would have certainly known Victoria would not have the funds available to honour such promises and the opposition leader looked to be shooting in the dark as he and his coalition usually did for the last eight years. Neither offered any real solution. A One Victoria majority government will take a different approach and deliver better health outcomes for all. Please note, we will not be speaking about building new hospitals here. We believe that massive improvements to public health can be achieved by fixing the system, not just throwing billions of dollars into new and bigger hospitals, which will in turn be forced to work within a broken system anyway. Once we have achieved these major improvements, we will certainly look to build where facilities are needed. All in all, we expect to spend less to achieve better results than Labor, the Coalition or the Greens could have dreamt of achieving. One Victoria policies. One, a review and realignment of the health department bureaucracy. There has been a massive growth in Victoria's public service bureaucracy under Labor. Greater numbers of university-trained career bureaucrats and significant salary increases for senior managers across all government departments have resulted in similar stories of crippling increases in admin and paperwork in education, policing, prisons management, service delivery and, of course, the health system. It is worth noting that the health department in California, servicing all hospitals and medical services in that massive state of 39 million people, employs 2,367 people. The Victorian Health Department employs 3,186, servicing just 6.6 million people. Stories abound of nurses leaving the profession, listing administrative workload growth as one main reason, and locum doctors giving up that role due to the huge amount of paperwork requirements every time they move to a new location. In any form of large organisation, it is easy to see a need for new processes but fail to remove old, redundant processes. Then we feel the pressure for more staff to handle the load and for the bureaucracy to justify their role. This has happened across government departments 
and has been allowed to do so due to the management incompetence of past and present governments. Your One Victoria Government will attract the best minds from business administration to work with department heads and to trim and modernise their processes and to reduce the size of the health department. A goal of a greater than 50% reduction in numbers to 1,500 employees will apply for the first 18 months in office. Displaced individuals should have little difficulty finding new and rewarding employment within a new One Victoria managed economy. This should see a significant reduction in administrative workload in the hospital, clinical health and general practice fields, allowing our health professionals to do what they do best. 2. Changing how elderly patients receive care. In 2021-22, patients aged 65 and over, which is 16% of the population, accounted for 21% of presentations to the emergency department. That was 1,848,000 presentations. Of these, 52% were subsequently admitted to hospital compared to 28% for all other patient categories. On several dozen occasions during the late 90s all the way through to the early 2020, this writer has personal experience with elderly relatives of numerous call-outs in the middle of the night to go to hospital EDs to stand with those relatives as they waited on ambulance trolleys in ED corridors for several hours and to provide comfort for them through ED assessment and admission for what would end up being a stay for a couple of days while they again received treatment for what was usually mild malnutrition and or dehydration. Good balanced diet of hospital food and IV drips for fluids perked them up considerably for the release and return to their home or aged care facility. The original call for an ambulance was usually in panic from the patient's partner or from the nursing home, which was not equipped to diagnose and treat a person presenting with lethargy, dizziness, confusion and loss of balance, which are classic indications of dehydration. This experience also allowed my wife and I to chat with the many wonderful ambulance crews while their productive shifts were gobbled up as corridor trolley attendants due to the appalling mismanagement of the system. It also allowed us to meet with and observe ED personnel who all appeared to be exhausted and buried under paperwork. On a rough average, for every 10 minutes they would spend with the patient, they would go back to their workspace and work for 30 to 45 minutes on admin. It is offensive when our Premier seeks to blame every healthcare issue on COVID. We came to understand a pattern developing in the behaviour of our relatives as they aged through their 70s, 80s and 90s. They began to suffer from loss of bladder and eventually bowel control. This often coincided with a loss of interest in cooking balanced healthy meals or the onset of chronic dental problems making eating more difficult. They were proud people. A visit to hospital with soiled clothes or later in a nursing home having to call for help to change soiled or wet clothing or bedding was very embarrassing, stripping away their dignity and quality of life. Think of how that would make us feel. So they developed their own solution. 
They stopped eating properly and stopped drinking water, so they slowed the need to urinate. Sticking to two cups of tea daily, not enough fluid intake to avoid a gradual decline in hydration levels over time. There are aids and treatments for incontinence, of course, pads and nappies, which the elderly hate because they see them as bothersome and expensive. The reason these problems end up clogging the ambulance and patient transport systems is because the nursing homes are not authorised to diagnose and treat patients with IV fluids, and in our experience, the GP network can't be bothered. Sad but true. Most calls for ambulance from nursing homes were when the home called the GP and the GP directed them to call an ambulance. One Victoria will introduce the following measures immediately following the 2026 election. 1. People diagnosed with incontinence problems will be able to receive supplies of incontinence pads completely free of charge, both from their chemist and through any aged care facility. 2. An education program will be rolled out for patients and their carers' families on the importance of simple nutrition and fluid intake. 3. In aged care homes, the nutrition, subscribed supplements and fluid intake must be treated as medications are. Planned distribution throughout the day with the intake actually supervised during friendly conversation to mask the supervision. 4. A review of the entire GP service, how GPs are assigned to nursing homes, how they are paid for their services, the development of a suitable and attractive pay scale to encourage a strong after-hours GP service for each suburb, better training of GPs to enable them to better diagnose and treat dehydration and mild forms of malnutrition within the home, and aged care facility enabling in-home and in-nursing home treatment, which will include IV drips, which can then be managed by in-house nursing services. A call for an ambulance should be the GP's last but considered option. Nursing homes must report poor responses from their GPs. These measures alone should see a significant reduction in older Victorians using the ambulance patient transport systems, emergency department visits and hospital administration. Any costs involved should be more than offset by a reduction in the need to pour funds into the patient transport and hospital systems. If we can effectively halve the number of ED presentations for people 65 and over, that is 924,000 less presentations, and usually the same number of patient transport by ambulance, and 480,000 less hospital admissions. It will make a huge difference. One Victoria, thinking laterally to provide better care for our elderly. Three, keeping GP and chemist patients out of the public hospital EDs. Inappropriate use of the hospital ED, that is patients who transport themselves to attend their local hospital ED with common colds, cuts and bruises or illnesses that are better tended to by their GP, clog up our hospital emergency departments. 
If you have ever had a sick child in the middle of the night with a dangerously high temperature, or a baby who is listless, vomiting and suffering from diarrhoea, you will know there is no alternative open to you. Your One Victoria Government will establish an additional triage layer to quickly assess and identify these patients and direct them to a 24-hour GP clinic. We will establish close to or attached to all public hospital EDs. This will enable the ED care specialists and trained nurses to focus on providing immediate care to those in actual need of an ED. The current Labor government announced a similar concept but have simply failed to make it happen. Number four, changing the way ambulance crews are treated when they arrive at public and private hospital EDs. Long ambulance trolley queues waiting to access the ED ward is a massive problem that has remained unresolved for 30 years or more. Every hour that an ambulance crew spends standing with their patient on a trolley in the corridors leading from the ambulance bay to the ED ward is an hour they are not on the road attending to emergencies or providing acceptable response times. This issue has been spoken about in the press and on talkback radio for decades. Your One Victoria Government will establish an ambulance bay triage layer to take charge of ambulance patients and care for them while waiting for a bed to become available within the ED ward. Ambulance crews will take 15 minutes to hand over their patients to the triage attendant and to draw off a store of fully equipped ambulance trolleys before returning to full service instead of enduring time down of up to several hours. Trolleys will be rotated through the system back to triage after a patient is placed in a bed within the ED. This triage service will also be able to streamline admissions into ED ward based on medical priorities, contributing to reduced stresses on the ED ward staff. Funding this service will be offset by reduced patient loads within the ED, reduced ambulance visits due to diverting non-critical elderly patients to in-home care and by reducing the admin workload of ED staff. Number five, taking positive action to reduce elective surgery wait lists. It seems there is a benefit to being well into middle age after all. You remember just how long Victoria has put up with excessively long elective surgery wait lists with no government doing anything about it. All Victorians should be very angry about this. Before we detail One Victoria's policy solutions, just take a moment to understand what elective surgery means. These are not facelifts or breast enlargements. These are life-altering repair of excruciatingly painful and quality of life issues. The health system lists as semi-urgent things like heart valve replacement, trigger finger release, congenital cardiac defects, nerve decompression and fractures that will not heal. These are listed for treatment within 90 days but are often treated later. Listed as non-urgent are joint replacement and reconstruction, endometriosis removal, usually only temporary relief of a cruel and life-altering, excruciating condition faced by one in every 10 reproductive-aged women and girls worldwide. Tonsillectomy, often a sickly, terrified children. These conditions are set for treatment after 12 months. 
We are told that overworked and too few surgeons, specialists and IC specialists result in elective surgery waiting lists caused by excessive demand over the available workforce. A one Victoria government will drive change to tertiary medical student intakes. What our universities cannot provide in the short and medium term we will seek to import to match demand and reduce the waiting list for life-changing surgeries by more than 75%. Our government will increase immigration processing of suitably qualified medical professionals from acceptably medical trained countries removing the medical industry requirement that professionals from overseas must first pass qualifying exams before being accepted into the fold. A rule we believe was designed to protect the industry professionals' income from foreign entrants into the past. Many of us have met overseas qualified surgeons driving taxis while they wait to sit for medical exams in Australia. There is something else. Another aspect of management of the health system and of health professionals which is contributing to unnecessarily high waiting lists. 6. Prudent monitoring of surgical results and statistics. A personal story. Three years ago I was unfortunate enough to split my left femur in an accident requiring five titanium screws to be fitted in emergency keyhole surgery. When the surgeon showed me an X-ray of the five bolts, it was very clear to me that the two bolts nearest the knee were too long, protruding into the flesh and muscle. There is a photo on our website, onevictoria.com.au. When I asked the surgeon about this, querying if I would be able to bend my knee, he chuckled and said, don't worry, we can always go in again to remove those screws once the break is set. Sure enough, Five weeks later, following initial rehab where I could not bend the knee at all, his office called to book in the second surgery. Some weeks later, when I could finally get into a warm pool therapy, I started to be able to bend the knee and progressed very quickly. While there, I met a woman who was recovering from her fifth operation, following a knee replacement with the same surgeon. Now, I'm not a medical professional, but I do know when something doesn't sound right. It may well be normal to fit oversized screws, then earn several thousand dollars more to remove them. It may also be normal to expect to have five operations to replace a knee. What do you think? Let's be clear. Every unnecessary operation carries risk, involves discomfort, recovery, inconvenience, costs a lot of money, ties up surgical and anaesthetist teams, time, theatre and aftercare nursing staff time, hospital bedtime, administration time, rehabilitation centre time and places pressure on the private insurance systems and or the public health funding systems. These unnecessary operations also deprive people on those long elective surgery waiting lists from receiving timely care that will put their lives back on track. One Victoria will legislate to require surgical numbers be audited regularly with full investigation of abnormal frequency and results being properly followed up and reported to the Health Minister and published. This program will be backdated to all surgeries conducted from Election Day 2026. If we find evidence of a systemic problem, 
we will backdate to Election Day 2022. We do not seek unnecessary removal of errant professionals from their jobs. We simply need to know that they know someone is watching. In any profession, liberties will be taken if they are allowed to be taken. One Victoria will also, where deemed appropriate, require compensation to be paid to patients slash victims by the surgeons without the use of insurance. Repeat occurrences following official warnings will result in deregistration proceedings. Number seven, greater support and training of Victoria's GPs. In addition to the measure outlined in item five above, where One Victoria will increase university and immigration intake of medical students and overseas qualified professionals, and in item two above, where we will change the way aged care is supported by GPs, we see an urgent need to provide much greater support and training services to all of Victoria's GPs and higher qualified medical professionals. Support will come in the form of relieving unnecessary administration work and by developing a state-of-the-art information resource system. Training will be in the form of improved online and in some cases face-to-face -face review and training services. It may be that specific subject matter will be dealt with across multiple 30-minute modules over a couple of weeks. Once commenced, attendance will be compulsory and our One Victoria Government will fully compensate doctors for their time once all elements are successfully completed. Our aim is to increase skill levels and to reduce the incidence of incorrect diagnosis across all levels of the Victorian Health Service. Additionally, GPs will be encouraged to expand their qualifications in one of three specialty fields. Female health, male health and child health infants to 16 years. These courses will run for 12 full months and involve twice weekly two hour online training modules combined with one full day group training per month. These group training sessions will involve practical examples and small working groups to assist in personal development. Once completed, these GPs will have earned the right to promote their specialty to the public and within the clinics. They will use the terms Advanced Female Health Practitioner, Advanced Male Health Practitioner, Advanced Child Health Practitioner, following their names and usual qualifications. They will also be able to charge slightly higher gap payments to increase their earnings. One Victoria will liaise with the Federal Government to potentially allow greater funding for these specialist GPs, removing any cost barrier to the public making use of their services. As always, our objective is to improve proactive health care and to reduce the need for urgent hospital care caused by issues not being identified and acted upon until it is too late. 8. Women's Health Research across the world shows that women, when cared for by male doctors, fare less well than those cared for by female doctors. Another reality for women generally, according to similar research, is more illnesses are misdiagnosed or not recognised at all by male doctors. Classic examples are thyroid illnesses, endometriosis and heart attacks in women. All three can be life-altering conditions that go directly to quality of life, 
poor diagnosis can also significantly increase the cost of care for the individual and the state as a whole. There is a suggestion this is due not to deliberate indifference, but rather pre-programmed typecasting of women as being hypochondriacs and stress heads. One thing this research does not do is offer a solution. It seems to have been published to cause controversy, which achieves nothing. One Victoria wants to build solutions without laying blame. To us, this problem goes to poor training and communication. One Victoria will incorporate modules in our online training program detailed in item 7 for existing practitioners that specifically cover misdiagnosis of these and other common ailments facing women. We will also require universities to address these issues early in a doctor's degree course to eradicate those old attitudes in our next generation of male doctors. Public information campaign for women will encourage women to listen to their bodies and their heads. If you doubt what your doctor is telling you, seek out a second opinion. One Victoria will work with the federal government to find a way to provide state-of-the-art treatment for endometriosis for all Australian and permanent residents, as well as all New Zealand women living in Australia, fully funded under Medicare. Critical side issue. Did you know? Endometriosis surgery where women in severe life-changing pain require surgery to temporarily relieve their symptoms, often to try to have a child, is considered as elective surgery category 3, which means it should be performed within 365 days. That's a full year, sometimes more of agony, multiple times off work, repeated visits to the GP and use of some pretty high-end pain medication, not to mention a lousy quality of life. The cost to the individual, the health system and Victoria as a whole is horrendous. On our website we show a video from Bindi Irwin, who has recently um, gone through surgery for endometriosis and she talks about her experience. It's well worth watching. One Victoria believes this mismanagement of the health system is completely unacceptable. We will do whatever it takes to stop this madness from occurring. Men's health. We have all heard the saying that men generally avoid going to the doctor until it's too late. One Victoria wants to remove all impediments to every Victorian man from visiting a doctor for a full health check once every five years. We propose to make these health checks compulsory and completely free. One Victoria will work with the Federal Government to ensure these essential tests are completely bulk billed. As an added incentive, every man upon completion of their health check will be paid $200 by the One Victorian Government. This program will commence from age 18, then every five years, so 18, 23, 28, 33, 38, etc. These health checks will change slightly over the years to reflect potential health issues as we grow older. They certainly should always include a stress test, skin check, blood sugar levels, cancer indicator blood tests, vitamin B, cholesterol, blood pressure, eye health and dental health checks. Benefits to the state of Victoria and the nation as a whole will be less hospital visits with less stress on the hospital systems, 
reduced male mortality due to earlier diagnosis and more successful, less invasive treatment, less productive time off, and reduced overall cost of health care. 10. Children's health. As a society, we must be ultimately judged by the way we care for, protect and develop our children. In the overall scheme of things, nothing else should matter. Yet we fail far too often. We read about children who have been sent home to die by hospitals and doctors who have been too ready to ignore the symptoms and what the patient has been saying. Parents know. While we know the real flu can and will kill a healthy child within 24 to 36 hours, testing for the flu takes 48 hours to get a result. While there is a push to reduce doctors prescribing antibiotics, children presenting with sore throats and modest temperatures are sent home, untreated, far too often, only to be returned with much more severe symptoms and illness a day later. Frustrated parents usually present to the children's hospital, bypassing the doctor the second time around. Tonsillectomy surgery is simply not giving appropriate priority. One Victoria will initiate the following measures. We will review the content and structure of university medical courses as well as the follow-on in-hospital intern training. We will introduce increased theory and practical teaching covering obstetrics and gynaecological care, infant care and child care to age 14. Part of that training will also focus on how to involve parents in the health discussion about their children, how to listen for telltale signs the parent is telling them, and how to act on that input. We will introduce a postgraduate specialty course detailed in item 7 above, allowing GPs to offer expanded care levels. We will set up an investigative team with powers to counsel, sanction, deregister and or prosecute malpractice specifically as reported by patients. We will ease the constraint against antibiotics in circumstances where a little now is better than an inevitably lot in a day or two. We will introduce rapid testing for the flu and other serious infections for children, aiming for a 12-hour turnaround or less. Critical side issue. Did you know? Childhood tonsillectomy surgery, where children suffer recurring tonsillitis, usually involving debilitating infections requiring antibiotic treatment and loads of time off school, is considered as elective surgery category 3, which means it should be performed within 365 days. That's a full year, sometimes more of stress for the family, multiple periods off school, repeated visits to the GP and our strained hospital system on too many occasions, repeated unnecessary use of antibiotics and pain medication over what ends up being a lousy year in a child's life. What are we thinking? These are our kids. One Victoria believes this mismanagement of the health system is completely unacceptable. We will take all measures required to stop this from happening. Number 11. Medical research. One Victoria is home to some of the most brilliant minds in the world. One Victoria aims to tap into all that brilliance by establishing a world-class research and proactive action facility in Melbourne with the sole goal of addressing four specific health problems. Endometriosis. 
that life-altering conditions suffered by one in nine of the global population of childbearing aged women and girls. That's roughly 190,000 women in Victoria. Sufferers spend billions annually on strong pain medications, lost productivity, surgery and related recovery services, not to mention the strain they experience on their relationships and the, me- and the mental health. In 2022, the new federal government promised $700,000 towards research, particularly its impact on fertility, a drop in the ocean. One Victoria will get serious about how we support this critical work, find a solution and you change women's lives for the better and immediately reduce the strain on the entire health system. Psoriasis. A common condition of the skin which causes unsightly itchy skin lesions that can have a profound effect on a sufferer's confidence, social interactions and mental health. Approximately 2-3% of the global population suffer from this condition and spend billions of dollars on Puva light treatments, cortisone creams and lotions, not to mention a myriad of quack remedies. In Victoria that equates to roughly 200,000 people, enough to fill the MCG more than twice. Suicide. The prevalence of suicide within our community is far greater than most realise. 756 last year alone. That's 756 devastated and broken families, more than three times the 2022 road toll. Sporting clubs in Victoria are required prior to weekend outdoor sporting activities to have volunteers inspect the grounds for possible drug, materials and bodies from both overdoses and suicides. One thing is certain, the strategies maintained by academics, government officials and social experts have failed. Perhaps a completely new approach will make a difference. Hospital and medical centre spreading of infections. The extremely high likelihood of catching a serious infection while in hospital, golden staph, sepsis, hepatitis, COVID, pneumonia, flu, the list goes on. It was recently announced that 5,614 people actually caught COVID while in hospital and more than 600 have died as a result in Victoria. This was reported by The Age from information gained through freedom of information laws, so it wasn't freely available. This is a problem faced by hospitals worldwide, but there has to be an answer. One Victoria's new majority government will fund this research facility jointly with business and the community. We will set it up to provide legal and patent support to researchers so that future royalties and income will benefit the researchers themselves as well as the community as a whole. Researchers who develop successful commercial solutions able to be sold to the world have a right to expect to become very wealthy from the proceeds. The government share will be used exclusively to fully fund treatment for sufferers who are Victorian residents for at least the previous five years. Victorians come first. We will actively encourage participants from a broad spectrum of professions and experience. Every Victorian will have a right to bring their ideas to the table and we will ensure their ideas are not dismissed until they are tested. This facility will not be absorbed into the traditional academic quicksand. After all, that approach has not borne worthwhile results to date. 
The great Australian now treasured Victorian and Nobel Prize winner Peter Doherty, with his initial training as a veterinarian, was instrumental in discovering how the human body's immune cells protect against viruses, revolutionising the medical fraternity's treatment of viruses even to this day. On Victoria's The Doherty Effect, enabling individuals from outside a given discipline to bring a new perspective to accepted thinking is the way to go. All four of the above problems may benefit from this approach. Just think of the possibilities. A world without endometriosis and psoriasis. A way to save and treat so many worthwhile sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, mothers and fathers from the tragedy that is suicide. And a hospital system that is safe. Once we have solved these problems, we will choose others. One Victoria, thinking laterally to put Victorians' physical and mental health first, every day, in every way, always. Please let us know what you think. Our final policies may end up including some of your ideas. Send us an email to health at onevictoria.com.au. If you approve of what we are saying, please tell your partner, adult children, parents, siblings, friends, and encourage everyone to join One Victoria so we can build a strong team to drive this new and exciting political revolution. It will cost as little as $7.50 a month. Look out for more draft policies on this website, onevictoria.com.au, or search for One Victoria Podcasts where you listen to podcasts. We will publish final policies fully costed at least 12 months before the 2026 state election. If you dislike what we are saying because you support what Victorians have been getting from our government and opposition, please be patient. Keep reading or listening and keep an open mind. You are sure to find something that will save you money, time and reduce your stress very soon. Until then, goodbye, keep well, keep safe. This podcast was authorised by Kenneth Noonan, 1 Victoria, Suite 582 Waterman Caribbean Park, 44 Lakeview Drive, Scoresby, Victoria 3179. Website onevictoria.com.au, mobile 0421484115, email kennethn at onevictoria.com.au.